Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Day's here alongside Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. We have a lot going on here today. On this Tuesday, uh, at the bottom of the hour, we are moving fake news or not up a segment, uh, as well as our weekly appearance from my oldest daughter, Anastasia. Both of those things are going to take place a segment earlier uh, than normal. Uh, Next hour, and I'll tell you why in a moment, uh, next hour for Pop Culture Tuesday, we're going to take a look at the hit movie, Jesus Revolution, by which, according to some estimates, uh, doubled what its box office forecast was, and we'll get into that film uh, and what I what I really liked about it and what really surprised me about it as well, and what I'm hoping might be a sign of more mature storytelling within the faith-based film genre. All right, so we'll get to that coming up uh, with Pop Culture Tuesday next hour of the show. But before we get to that segment, There's so much we want to talk to today's guest about. We actually moved him to the top of hour two so we could have more time. What's the answer to the question? What do you do to top Berenson Corey yesterday? Well, here it is. Here it is. Yes. I mean, we 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 embarked on an excursion into epistemology yesterday. With two people over the last few years, we have shown we have a lot of respect for who are in clear disagreement over a certain matter, right? And we let each of them have the same 15 minutes and change to make their case pro and con when it came to ivermectin as an effective early treatment against COVID-19. Well, today we are going to have the ultimate epistemological quest. Father Carlos Martins of The Exorcist Files one of the top five religion and spirituality podcasts in the country right now, according to iTunes, will be our guest at the top of our two. And let's just say, given the era in which we live, we have questions, all right? More than we typically might, which is why we, uh, we asked the father to move his segment at the last minute, made that request uh, last night, and he was gracious to do it. So Father Carlos Martins of the Exorcist Files podcast, he will join us at the top of hour two for a conversation I can't wait for. Uh, so I would imagine um, the same will be true of many of you. He, by the way, has also seen Nefarious. He's also seen the movie. So... I don't know what his thoughts are on the film. I've not spoken to him about it. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'll ask him live here on the show next hour. Maybe he'll come on and dunk on it. You know, that's fine. Uh, but um, I want to know what his thoughts on are on the film, both in terms of its quality and its accuracy delving into this genre. But the majority of what we're going to talk to Father Martins about is what he actually does on a daily basis. And how that relates both in terms of uh, potency and frequency to the era in which we live. So that is a conversation we are very much looking forward to next hour of the show. As we are also very much looking forward to Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. 
What happened while we were away brought to you by Coping and Seething. We told you yesterday about the revelation that the Department of Energy now believes the origin of the pandemic was a laboratory accident. Of course, if you've listened to this show, you're not surprised by that news. But the reaction from people who were certain it could not have been a lab leak and called people like us conspiracy theorists, well, that reaction has been pure joy to watch. And I want to feature a couple of those reactions. We'll begin with Stephen Colbert on CBS. If like me, you're wondering why the Department of Energy is the one making this judgment. It's because that agency oversees a network of U.S. national laboratories, some of which conduct advanced biological research. No, no. <laughs> Bad energy department. No bio labs until you finish building your electric car charging stations. <laughs> Stay in your lane. Who am I to say they're the energy department? I'm sure they're smart. They wouldn't release these findings unless they were absolutely confident. What's that? <laughs> they made their judgment with low confidence. Of course, what Colbert doesn't tell you and doesn't want you to know is that the FBI has a moderate confidence the virus leaked from the lab and that the Department of Energy is, of course, in the intel community. But then again, as a late night comedian with very, very bad ratings, he's well within his lane to make those comments. So I'll defer to him. Then we have this tweet from MSNBC's Mehdi Hassan, who's responding to the charge that the lab leak origin theory was suppressed by the powers that be. Quote, the simple reason why so many people weren't keen to discuss the lab leak theory is because it was originally conflated by the right with Chinese bioweapon conspiracies and continues to be conflated by the right with anti-Fauci conspiracies. Blame the conspiracy theorists. A lot of coping and a lot of seething going around. Also, a lot of strokes going around, apparently, according to data from the UK's National Health Service compiled by the Daily Skeptic. Consultations for those who have or may have had a stroke are up in that country by 25% over the baseline since the rollout of the jabs. On the topic of things that didn't age well, here's this little infomercial from the Ocean City, Maryland Fire Department from March 23rd, 2021. We believe in this vaccine 100%. If people could see what we've seen out here, they would not hesitate to go get this vaccine. Right after Thanksgiving, we went to an elderly man who was sick and we came and we took him to the hospital. But I was looking at him and I was thinking that he's probably never going to see his kids again. So I hope that people appreciate that this is not just a statistic. Somebody's mom, somebody's dad, somebody's brother, you can do something to save your community and that's go get vaccinated. The cost of this pandemic has been enormous. If you've not been personally affected by somebody in your family, uh, I can guarantee your neighbors have been. Again, this is an infomercial from the Ocean City, Maryland Fire Department from March of 2021. Almost half a million people in this country alone have died from COVID. Zero people have died from the COVID-19 vaccine. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is yet. Moving on, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen was in Ukraine yesterday on an unannounced visit to dole out another billion-plus dollars to the country so they can keep paying their workers or something. Mitch McConnell gave an impassioned defense of his support for Ukraine. Putting up our drawbridge and pretending that we can go it alone as Fortress America will not cut it will not cut it in the 21st century. Elsewhere in the Senate, Chuck Schumer attempted to blame the ecological disaster in Ohio on the Trump administration. In one instance, the Trump administration repealed requirements for an electronic braking system because, according to them, the safety benefits were simply not worth the costs. Let me say that again. 
in 2017, the Trump administration decided to repeal requirements for brake upgrades because they didn't think the safety benefits were worth the cost. I think the people of East Palestine know exact now know that that analysis was wrong. Of course, that's packed full of lies. The train in question that derailed wouldn't have had the braking system he's talking about anyway, and the cause of this derailment was actually a bad bearing, not brakes. A new Rasmussen poll asked respondents if they agree or disagree with this statement. Quote, it's okay to be white. Overall, 72% of Americans agree with that statement, while 12% disagree. Among black Americans, only 53% agree, while 26% disagree. 21% say they're not sure. Joe Biden, your thoughts? I, I, I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. And finally, an important public service announcement for a growing threat in many of our homes. We found the weapons of mass destruction. They're in your kitchen. Every year, millions of Americans are harmed by gas stoves. A gas stove attacked my kid, melted her face clean off. You want to see? I um, lost my husband to a gas stove. They're probably on a beach in Boca Raton together right now. A gas stove killed my Travis. Mom, when's dinner going to be? No. We are Mothers Against Gas Assault Stoves, or MAGAS for short. President Biden, we urge you to get gas off the streets and out of the hands of criminals. Don't fall for the big gas propaganda. Now, with my new, less sexually threatening electric stove, I can truly bake back better. And that's what happened while we were away. Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Bullion Max. You know, last year was the worst year for the stock market since 2008. What does 2023 hold? Do you really want to put all your eggs in one basket? Maybe you'd like to learn why a lot of smart and prosperous people have been using uh, rare commodities, precious metals as the place to protect their fortunes uh, and their productivity from government debasement schemes, inflation, you know, the let's go Brandon economy we're all living in right now, for example. Get started with our friends over at Bullion Max. They'll get you started with their silver starter kit just for you, including the solid one-ounce silver American Eagle and more. This is the best way to go about diversifying your portfolio, and you can get it today at bullionmax.com Steve. Again, that is bullionmax.com Steve. One more time, bullionmax.com Steve. To Aaron's montage we go, and in the overtime today, we're going to get into, there are, there are three reasons, I believe, why they, are not, why they could not tell us the truth about the true origins of COVID-19 in 2020. And I think you can take those three reasons and reverse them. And it will explain why they are willing to discuss it to some degree now. So we'll get into that today in the overtime. If you're a Blaze TV subscriber, go to blazetv.com slash dace. That's where you want to go if you're a Blaze TV subscriber. blazetv.com slash dace. We will uh, record today's overtime for you right after today's show. Uh, and then it'll be uploaded for you to watch later today at blazetv.com slash dace. For the rest of you, uh, if you're yet to be a Blaze TV subscriber, that's also where you can go to subscribe right now to make sure no big tech censorship between you and us. Get it directly. Directly, our content every day directly from us, as well as all the exclusive content that we do just for subscribers every day. Just 10 bucks a month. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. This may seem like it's irrelated, 
to the conversation we will have with Far- with Father Carlos Martin's next hour of the show. But the truth of the matter is they are directly linked. We have used the term demonic on this show in our daily analysis of the news and current events a lot, a lot the last couple of years. And I, I don't know, guys, the time you've been working here, going back to when you guys just listened to this show, was that a term we just kind of threw around on no. a regular or casual basis, as you can recall, until the last couple of years? No. I, I think you're right. Um, and there's a reason for this. You know a tree by its fruit. How can you tell if demonic principalities have set up your culture as their natural habitat? Another way of putting that is how can you tell if if your culture is so far gone? It's it's in the midst of a Romans one judgment where the, the common grace of God, the, the, the natural law of his sovereign hand of restraint has been removed to hold back these sorts of, well, nefarious forces. And so now we are essentially on our own against that which we have unleashed ourselves. How can you tell? There's lots of ways to tell, but a lot of times, if, if we don't see evidence of this in a very dramatic way in our own, you know, daily walks. It, it seems kind of fantastical, right? It seems kind of, um, yeah, I mean, that, could, that couldn't happen here. It's, it's, not, it's not applicable. It's really simpler than that, I believe. The absence of truth. The inability to achieve clarity. Like you can, you can tell when someone has a different religious viewpoint from yours. If you, like me, have a, or, or strive to have a biblical worldview, there are lots of very sincere religious people in the world who don't have a biblical worldview, have their religious viewpoint stemming from other religious works. I mean, I just, I met with them, one of them, uh, who's a presidential candidate late last week, as a matter of fact, he's Hindu. Very, very sincere. And don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm a Jesus is Lord guy. I, I don't believe there's any other atonement that satisfies the justifiable wrath of God against our sin than Christ at the cross. But I also have to be in the world at the same time I'm not of it. I have to live in this world and not everyone is going to agree with us on that, Right. Right. And we're never promised there's all going to be 100% consensus on that question, correct? We were promised the opposite. Yes, we were promised the opposite. I think it's described somewhat of a narrow road, a narrow path, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So then how do we live in this world that we're not of in light of that narrow road, in light of that those competi- competing exclusive claims on truth? Sincerity. I mean, one, one good way to love your neighbor as you love yourself is, is sincerity and empathy. I guess I gave you two ways. Sincerity and empathy. And, and so you can find ways 
to live and do so joyously and successfully with people of different viewpoints, provided that social compact of sincerity and empathy works both ways. Doesn't mean you have to agree. Absolutely means at times you're going to strenuously disagree. But you get e pluribus unum when there's sincerity and empathy in and amidst those disagreements. We live in an era where sincerity and empathy are almost null and void as constructs. Just they're rare finds. And that's why we're in the epistemological crisis we were talking about on the show yesterday. The idea that clarity seems like something we can't achieve. The idea that the truth is something we, we don't value, we don't seek. And, and maybe we should become expert gaslighters ourselves, at, you know, to push back against the gaslighting. Those are, those are characteristics, in my opinion, of demonic influence on a systemic level within a culture. Remember the native tongue of the master of the demonic realm. Did God really say? The first time we hear him speak in existence is to ask that question. Did God really say? Muddying the waters. Cloudying perspectives. I don't know. Did he? That's a good point. I mean, I don't know. And who am I to know? I don't know. Did he? Eventually, you get down to you have your own truth. Truth is what makes me feel good. Truth is what lends me to the outcome that I want. Not what is objectively true. And you can see this at play. Really, since the advent of COVID-19 as a global story in February of 2020, you have seen this play itself out. And I will just tell you, most explicitly within this country, more than any other country in the world, I mean, the Chinese at least, there's limits to how much they're even willing to poison their own people. They weren't willing to give them the mRNAs. That our government said you couldn't have a job at any business of more than 100 employees if you didn't take. And I, I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that that's because, A, in a lot of these other countries, the spirit of the age already has the power that it wants. And so there really wasn't, you know, in Sweden, which was hailed as for 20 years as the socialist democratic example for us to follow, right? By the Western left. They don't, government has all the power it wants. Doesn't need any more power. 
And so it, there's no point. They're beyond letting a good crisis go to waste. And so why not just be, you know, honest brokers about what's really going on? Since we have the power we want, why would we want to destroy our government and way of life over a lie? But in this country, it doesn't have it. And also, this country is the last refuge east of Eden for any form of a light shining in the darkness on a, on a nation-state perspective. So therefore, it would make sense that there would be more lies, more dishonesty regarding this cataclysmic event of the last few years than any place else. And the lies go on. I mean, I, I, I can't even get people I know, people I'm friends with, don't want anything at all to do with the book that Daniel and I just put out. Nothing. They don't want to come anywhere near it. I'd, I'd more likely get reaction from them if I changed my name to Scott Adams and started talking about black people straight up. They don't want any part of this. None of it. Even though it's the most obvious truths that are out there. More of, the, more of it in Aaron's montage where we come to the strokes. This truth is out there all the time. Even in our own audience, someone will email me every day. Steve, where's the evidence for all the claims you make? Literally, in Aaron's montage or my social media account, every single day for going on three years in a row. That's within this audience. What in the world do you think goes on within it goes on inside the MSNBC audience, the CNN audience? The every show on Fox News other than Tucker Carlson and half the time Laura Ingram audience. The greatest challenge we have today. And you can see it from the way you're getting gaslit right now on the origins of the virus is the truth. And even on the right, the truth is okay to access if it affirms whoever is the, the front person of the moment that I'm a stenographer or a spokesperson on behalf of, unofficially, of course. It doesn't threaten the status of my platform that's the reality. Short of revival. We have to trans... The only hope we have, short of a revival, and that comes from above, short of revival, the only hope that we have is that our era, we will transition from what will play on Fox or get me on Fox tonight. Because I will just tell you flat out, that, that, was the, that was at the top of the hierarchy of needs on the American right for the last 25, 30 years. Will it get me on Fox or will we get play on Fox if we say or do this? That was the rubric. That was the plumb line of the American right. That right there. The new one needs to be what will save what's left of this country so I can pass it on to my children. If we don't make that transition, there won't be a next era. I can promise you that. There won't be one. 
Now, I can't promise you that the level of confrontation necessary will work. We may be too far gone. I I can't promise you that. I can promise you this, though. We've yet to try it. That I do know. I don't know that it will work. We may be too far gone. But I do know we've yet to try it. Had a long conversation yesterday with a fairly well-known ministry leader in the country who had a chance to see Nefarious and was head over heels about it. And one of the things he said to me flat out was, you understand all of this works in the church like a fiefdom. And a lot of times, unless there's something in it for certain leaders, getting them to do things altruistically just isn't easy to do. That is very good for people's bottom lines. But here is a bottom line. The mother of all bottom lines. None of that money you're making right now, hand over fist, will mean a damn thing when the sulfur falls. None of it will. And so really... This isn't a test. I mean, you got Chuck Schumer out there accusing Trump of stuff that even the Washington Post fact-checked today, guys. Even the Washington Post said all the stuff that Aaron said in the montage. Like, this is just, there's literally nothing that Charles Schumer said was true. Like, literally nothing. I mean, how bad does it have to be for a Democrat to get fact-checked by the Washington Post, for goodness sakes? Okay? But it doesn't matter. It's the headline. It's the narrative. That's all that matters. See, the test of this era isn't going to be the sincerity and empathy displayed by the folks that are given over to the spirit of the age and are its acolytes in destroying our way of life. But in our own, the sincerity and the empathy of those of us who know the signs of the times, know what time it is, can clearly see what is happening, and our willingness to do a damned thing about it. It's not their empathy and sincerity that is on trial here. It is our own. And I think of somebody like Ryan Walters, the new superintendent of schools in Oklahoma. I mean, he's just keeping their heads ringing down there, making them squeal, yelp, demonically, seethe, how dare you? Like, but better, they say it better than the agitprop known as Greta Thunberg does or rehearsed. They mean it. They're not just a construct. He's just amassing scout or, or scalps. That's all he's doing. And like the Cleon's not taking any prisoners. We will not vote our way out of this. We need to transition from the silent majority. Now I will tell you a lot of my peers don't want you to transition out of that. Because that's where all the money is. You sit home, subscribe to our shows, read our stuff, let us peddle our wares, vote GOP, and don't do anything that might disrupt that business plan. Well, continue on with that, and we're in the last days of Pompeii. That's lava, and it's coming our way. The new paradigm needs to be the tireless minority who will seek power 
and then wield it. Who will seek power and then wield it. Who will seek power and then wield it. That's what Ryan Walters is doing in Oklahoma. He sought power and he is wielding it. Short of revival, enough of us willing to do that is going to, ter- is going to determine how much of a future this place has. Anything less than that. And fire up the Don Meredith. Turn out the lights, man. The party is over. Gentlemen, your thoughts. You have just channeled the frustration that I uh, issued in uh, talking with uh, Shannon Joy when she was on a month ago. And it had nothing about, again, it had nothing to do with Shannon. But the issue was, have we, are we really waking up? And I, I simply, no. Because Ryan Walters, if we were waking up, would be another day that ends in Y. The sense of commonality of purpose and action would be abundantly clear. But Steve's testimony about the pe- people, even on the right, won't touch him and Daniel and the book. Again, a man uh, on just Twitter just today who uh, you may know as the guy who is afraid of an outdoor vegetable stand. You know who he is. Just said, oh, all these wackadoodles out there. Now with Wuhan, they said, isn't there a kind of a contradiction? Uh, you think it was Wuhan and scary lab thing, but you won't slurp the vaccine? Honestly. They're ma- they are dedicated to their math. Their math is apocalyptic, and you have to clutch it out of their cold, dead hands. So what are you prepared to do about that? Stop listening to their podcast, for starters. Speaking of which, fake news or not, there's a segue, is next. So who knows when the next venerable, safe medication they'll now try to claim when you need it the most is dangerous and you can't have. Who knows when that will transpire, but since it looks like they're going to get away with it this time, that will certainly transpire, therefore, again. Or who knows when is the next time that we will face uh, the brunt of the terrible decision to let the Shycoms manufacture about 80% of our antibiotics for us, right? That's why you want to get in touch with our friends over at Jace Medical now. J-A-S-E for JaceMedical.com. J as in, don't hesitate, jump at this right this minute. JaceMedical.com. J-A-S-E. Get the Jace case uh, by simply filling out a simple online form. And in some cases, if you've got allergic reactions to certain some, uh, some venerable antibiotics. They'll make sure to put you on a quick call with one of their board-certified physicians before they give you the script uh, and fulfill it as well with the Jace case doctor-created and doctor-recommended to make sure the next time it goes down, uh, you are ready to go and, and you have the medications necessary to keep your family as healthy as possible. JaceMedical.com. Use the promo code DACE to get $10 off at checkout. Uh, that's DACE is the promo code for $10 off at JaceMedical.com. Fake news are not coming up here in just a few minutes, but first we welcome back to the show. My oldest daughter, Anastasia. Good to see you, sweetie. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Dad? I'm doing well. I think we have a surprise for her today, Aaron. Do we not? Yes. One moment. All right. Oh. So I, your grandmother sent me this. And I had Grandma not, Mary? Or? Yeah, yeah oh. Grandma Mary. I had not seen this picture 
in many years, but it is from your very first appearance with me on the air. Oh, really? Ever. Right? So do we have that, Aaron? One moment. All right. And My computer is crapping out here, of course. Of course. I most need it to. Well, let's filibuster. Um, do you remember the appearance at all? The first time you no. were with me on WHO? No, way I'm not back doing a good day? job at filibustering. All I said was no. Um, no. No. How old was I? That's a good question. I'm going to guess maybe you're. I mean, I started in W. I started on WHO in, in uh, the summer of 2006. So you would been you would have been five. My guess is we probably did it around your birthday. Is this when I used to do the commercial? I know I used to do like the intros or commercials or stuff. Well, that was our old sports show, and we used to have uh, have you do like. Uh, baby talk mm-hmm. and have someone come on and like translate what it is you were trying to say. We used to yeah. do that. Yeah. But no, this was 2000. I think this is around your birthday, 2007. There it is. Finally. Which would put you at six years old. Look at that picture. Look how adorable that little girl is. Wow. A natural. Absolutely a natural. Look at look at the presence, the command of the mic. Uh, an omen, a portend of things to come. All right. Thank you, Aaron. All right. So what are we talking about this week? I have five would you rather questions for you guys, um, all of you, from uh, your guys' audience. So I took submissions yesterday. So I've got five. Some of them might test the dude code. I don't know. We're going to have to see. Oh, this is going nowhere good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Listen, I want you guys to know like the amount of people that want you guys to watch TikToks. And I'm trying to space it out. I'm trying to space it out. There has to be some restraint. Because, guys, he's still my dad. Okay? He's my (laughs) boss and my dad. So what do you you want my boss and my dad to be mad at me? I'm like, I don't know how to to go through this. It's going to depend. Maybe if you do something to me. That annoys you? Then I'll bring in, like, I'll be like, we have the top 10 TikToks. And I'll bring in, like, a bunch. So it'll depend. So, yeah. All All right. Let's rock and roll. So I've got number one. Would you rather have a night at Pete Buttigieg's house, hanging in the hot tub, or hug a cactus? Hug a cactus. Uh, hug a cactus. <laughs> See, this is from Drew Harris 56. He did um, change Pete's last name to Butt Plugs, by the way. Uh, keeping it classy, obviously. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Say it again so I make sure I understand the fullness of this proposition. Say well, it again. With, oh. the, with the... Real name or the Drew Harris's no, name? No, j- just, just the would you rather, that's all. Not his name, the proposition. Okay, okay yeah. so do you want to spend a night with him in his hot tub hanging out at his house or hug a cactus? All right, and he's not necessarily in the hot tub with me, right? I'm it just in says, a hot tub. Well, I guess it says hanging, but it says at the house hanging in the hot tub. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Then I guess I'm going to have to take my chances with the cactus as uh, as painful in some areas as that might be. Won't be as painful as some other areas. Uh, yeah. oh. <laughs> some mental areas. You know yeah, what I'm, I'm feeling Anyways. it. Yes. Okay. Todd? Yes. You had my answer. Mortification of the flesh. <laughs> Absolutely. Mortification. We'll talk to the exorcist about that. <laughs> Thumbs up. That, well, let's ask Father Carlos yeah. Martins that question next <laughs> yes. hour, actually. Yes. All right. Go ahead. Number two. <laughs> Number two is, this is specifically for you. Okay. Would you, this might change, this might be against the dude code. I don't know. Then ask that it, it probably is. Yes. <laughs> This is from Florida Man in Texas. He writes, would you rather reenact the last dance from Dirty Dancing with Todd, Aaron, or Daniel Horowitz? Yeah, I mean, I just can't answer that question. Thank you. Uh, because that's a, the question in and of itself. All is of it the dude, above? That's it, what I thought. <laughs> no. The question if you don't answer in, a specific person, I'm going to let the audience assume that you mean just all of them. <laughs> <sighs> 
No, I can't answer that question. I just <laughs> so I it's refuse. all of them. I refuse so all to of you are lucky. That. Yes, I refuse to answer that. He I'm loves re- all of you all the same. Thank you. He yes. can't choose. That's right. Therefore, I won't. Yes, and that that is a very disturbing question. Yes. Number three is: Would you rather take Lindsey Graham to the Nefarious premiere or listen to him read Nefarious aloud? That is from Lena Marie. That's a good oh, question. Yeah, the former. Yeah, because I, I think he needs to hear yeah. the message. I yeah, yeah, I think he needs to hear the message. The message for sure. Yeah, for, I, I would definitely take him to the premiere instead. Yeah, I think he needs to. I think he needs this movie badly, badly. Kay. Although, and I think we could get him there with the promise that we're taking him to a prison movie. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> Thoughts? Finally, some daylight in this segment. <laughs> some daylight. <sighs> That's nice. Horrible. Okay. This is from Nate. Gosh, that was so bad, Dad. Thank you. I'm here all week <laughs> trying to be horrible. Yes. Would you rather have Joe Biden's mind or be married to Nancy Pelosi? Oh, oh. Um. See, but this is kind of where I was thinking with this question. It's like, if you have Joe Biden's mind, you're like, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, yeah, stairs, 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 walk here, walk with, there, go to bed, repeat. I'm going with Biden's mind. I think I'm going to go with Biden's mind. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm going to go with Biden's mind. I would actually rather be married to Nancy Pelosi. I mean, you make bank on a regular basis. You've got an $11,000 freezer filled with artisanal ice cream on a day-to-day basis as well. You live in an upscale part of, yeah, a blank hole city, but still it's an upscale part of that city on the West Coast. Can you blame me? Yeah, you can, but... <laughs> You can get hammered. You can get hammered. Literally. Yeah, one way or another. Yeah, literally. Yeah. No, I, I, I still think I'm going to go with Biden's mind. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. Last question. Would you rather have a nefarious He Gets Us campaign or a nefarious Rankin and Bass Christmas special? Uh, definitely a nefarious He Gets Us. Because I think I think the, the prophetic parody potential of that is limitless and i am not a big fan i don't like taking things that are innocent and sacred and selling them you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. i don't like doing that i'm not a fan of that um that kind of entertainment never really has appealed to me so you're not a liberal is what you're telling us (laughs) all right (laughs) that kind of it just doesn't appeal to me on any level i like taking things that um the the spirit of the age holds sacred um and and sullying that and so the uh, that's why i love the idea of a nefarious he gets us campaign because it would essentially be holding up a window to the soul of the culture so and we I, aren't entirely I, sure that he isn't a co-writer on that campaign on well, uh, oh boy <sighs> no that's a <sighs> sent your cards and emails to todd oh. on that one okay <laughs> yikes i mean i just thought it was insufficient todd has just jumped right to uh controlled opposition so. I, I saw a commercial this weekend i thought it was part of the he gets us campaign at the end i really did i thought it was part of the he gets us campaign at the very end check out the church of scientology same methodology and everything else in its messaging it was just talking yeah about? same same yeah. kind of hippy dippy nonsense all right, good stuff, Princess. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Dad. You thanks, bet. guys. Always good to see you. We'll get to fake news or not here next. Brought to you by Constitution Wealth. It is no secret 
We are in an unprecedented culture war in America right now. You want to be able to align your finances with your values. They don't have to be in conflict anymore. And our friends at Constitution Wealth will help you do that uh, using funds and strategies that share your values and help you to influence, use your money to influence your beliefs. All right. So uh, if you want to respect liberty and freedom and you believe as they do, and helping people fulfill their God-given potential with their finances as well. Contact Constitution Wealth. They are looking for like-minded people ready to invest, potentially change the financial landscape of America. Smart guys, fiery, passionate, know their stuff. In other words, they're a good match for this show. Uh, invest with CW for Constitution Wealth. Investwithcw.com slash Steve to schedule a free consultation. That's investwithcw.com slash Steve. All right. For fake news or not this week, I have one video I want to show you. And then you guys decide, is this fake news or not? its mind, when common sense suddenly became an uncommon virtue, Florida was a refuge of sanity, a citadel of freedom for our fellow Americans and even for people around the world. Ron DeSantis has decided to put his people first. Ron DeSantis taking a lot of heat over it, but he's not backing down. Florida's success has been made more difficult by the floundering federal establishment in Washington, D.C. An inflationary spending binge that has left our nation weaker and our citizens poor. It has enacted pandemic restrictions and mandates. It has recklessly facilitated open borders. It has imposed an energy policy that has crippled our nation's domestic production. This has caused many to be pessimistic about the country's future. Some even say that failure is inevitable. Florida is proof positive that we, the people, are not destined for failure. DeSantis wins. He has made a promise, and he's making good on the promise. Florida is leading the nation. We are the nation's fastest-growing state. We rank number one in education freedom. We are number one in economic freedom. Florida also ranks number one in public higher education. This is a record we can all be proud of. That's why the left hates Governor DeSantis, because he's a winner. That's what the guy does, he wins. Decline is a choice, success is attainable, and freedom is worth fighting for. So that launched yesterday. In accordance with the debut of, uh, of the governor's book. But, you know, in politics, as you've heard me say if, over the years, there's the, there's the real reason we do things and the right reason. Okay, so those are the right reasons. I mean, the real reason is, and it's pretty politically smart in my view, they're, they're clearly using this to soft launch a presidential campaign. Get the kind of exposure and juice uh, that you get when you launch a presidential campaign. They're getting it out of the launch of this book. And then they'll come back later this summer after the legislative session in Florida is over when they do launch the presidential campaign and they'll just do it all over again. So they kind of get like, a you know, the end of a shot clock in an NBA game, you know, a two for one, you know, a, a scoring opportunity at the end of a, a quarter or a half. I think that's clearly what the DeSantis uh, campaign is doing here. But let's talk about the video itself. Is it fake news or not? Aaron. Not fake news at all. 
not fake news at all. I, I think that is tremendous messaging because it is Florida centric. I saw one piece of criticism from somebody who, who liked it overall, but thought that, hey, moving forward, it needs to be less Florida centric. Not necessarily. Now, you can massage that. Uh, how can we Florida, Ohio or Missouri or, you know, Minnesota? Maybe that's too far gone, but you, you can massage that. But I don't think that's really up for debate. The proof is in the pudding, the numbers of people who are moving to Florida. People want Florida. People want Florida. It's not like they're moving to Florida because, you know, uh, close to Disney. Maybe that's one reason or close to Universal Orlando, whatever you want to call that. Not necessarily moving to Florida because of the beaches, although that's cool. If it were a hellhole, would people move to Florida because of those things? No, they would not. They move there. Because DeSantis has basically had a policy of leave me the hell alone and don't indoctrinate my kids. That's basically what he is. That's what he's pursued and uh, at various levels attained. So I think that messaging of this is our record. You know, we stood strong when others did not. And then the line at the end, that's the money shot. Decline is a choice. That was absolutely fantastic. Todd, what do you think? Fake news or not? Well, Listen, politically, we see all the time uh, people bouncing back and forth from right to left, left to right. Uh, They're vacillating between what issues are important to them. It's clear that they are easily emotionally and psychologically manipulated and their depth of focus on these things um, isn't that great. But here's my Rosetta Stone for this. In this case, we had a red wave that clearly wasn't, except in Florida with this guy. That That is as unique a circumstance uh, as I've seen uh, in my political lifetime. I don't think Steve will argue with it. It's certainly on the Mount Rushmore of what just happened there. That's other than... Out of context of that, it's a good speech, uh, nice optics, but there's nothing that fantastic. Uh, We've seen commercials like this that made us rise. Yeah, let's go. But it's the context. As Steve said, I think just yesterday, the proof of concept, it actually happened. You know how rarely we get the depth of proof of concept that we got we've gotten with Ron DeSantis and it's happened in this current world mm-hmm. this age the demonic age so yeah th- that's why this is not fake news i i don't i i really want to go down there and just kind of walk the earth in florida <laughs> and talk to people because really the the miracle happened that didn't happen anyplace else it went from a razor's edge election to Steve. How many points did he win by? Uh, about 20 points. Explain it was, it was that. almost exactly 60-40. Yeah. How? It's because of that guy and what he does every single day down there. All right, next hour on the show. We'll leave it there. We'll have plenty more opportunities to discuss this matter as the as the year progresses. But I, I do find it... Um, I find it very strategically fascinating that they are using this book to do essentially a soft rollout of a presidential campaign. And then they'll be able to come back later in the year and do the exact same thing all over again in a harder sell. It's very smart. 
actually. That's what they do down there. And that is kind of what they do down there. Yeah. We'll come back. The Exorcist Files will be next. Make sure you keep it tuned right here. Right back here with Hour 2, live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. I am Steve Dace, alongside Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. And you can let us know who you are, as well as what you think about what we think, via the stevedace.com inbox by emailing the show steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can also like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show. On Twitter and Getter. And again, that's D E A C E. Look for me at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social as well. Those of you that tune in each day via the podcast, thank you so much. You're a big part of the growth, the explosive growth that our show has had uh, the last few years. So uh, please uh, show your appreciation for us as well. Uh, leave us a five star review on the podcast platform of your choice. You can also um, hit subscribe or follow as well. And we want to thank each and every one of you uh, for doing uh, either or both of those things for us. You have done something to help our show grow. I don't exactly know what it is because no one's ever really explained to me how these algorithms work. I, I am just reliably assured that it did. <laughs> so thank you to each of you. And if nothing else, um, I, I greatly appreciate uh, the boost to our fragile male egos that uh, reading um, the thousands of five-star reviews you have sent us have uh, provided for us as well. We have gotten, by the way, speaking of reviews, some incredible reviews uh, to Rise of the Fourth Reich. So uh, if you have purchased the book and not yet filed a review, please consider doing so at Amazon.com. And I mean, some of the reviews that we have gotten have just been incredible. I mean, just from the both on behalf of Daniel and I, from the bottom of our collective hearts, we cannot thank you enough. Um, at the bottom of this hour, Pop Culture Tuesday, we're going to get into the Jesus Revolution, uh, which more than doubled a lot of its box office projections of what they expected it to do uh, in theaters when it opened last weekend. And, and why I think... Even though the way it was billed in theaters is this is kind of another hippy-dippy Christian movie and everything works out great at the end. Uh, this The level of storytelling here is more mature than I expected. Um, it's, it's a different level. Uh, and I think um, it's a welcome. Um, it's got more, I would say it has more in common with, say, Father Stu um, than a lot of the other Christian movies we've seen recently. So we'll get into that and why I think that's a good development coming up at the bottom of the hour. Do we have our guest ready to go? All right. We welcome in, without further ado, we have been looking forward to this. Father Carlos Martins is our guest here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Uh, he is the uh, the man behind the podcast, The Exorcist Files, which I just went and looked again during the break, is number four in the entire country on iTunes right now in the religion and spirituality category. And we want to welcome him here to the show. Father, my name is Steve Dace. It's an honor to have you with us, sir. How are you? Thank you very much, Steve. Yeah, it's an honor to be here with you, and I'm, I'm well. So 
I, I've, let's start with your faith journey. How does how does a guy born Carlos Martins become the host of the Exorcist Files? How, how'd you get there from here? Well, I I'm a convert from atheism. I converted midway through my undergraduate degree, and I got a call to the priesthood some seven years after that that moment after the conversion, and shortly. Shortly after I was ordained a priest, I was tapped and recruited for this ministry. What converted you from atheism? I mean, obviously, you have run the gamut, brother. I mean, from there is no God to I am on the front lines uh, in the war against the armies of darkness here. How did you, what, was the, what was the tipping point for you? Yeah, so, you know, the, the tipping point was... As an atheist, I, I wasn't happy, and I didn't realize the extent of that unhappiness. I, I, I knew that we are wired, that we are created, we, we're made to desire to want to live for, forever. And, and even perhaps more than that, we have an appetite for, for unlimited goodness. I, I was very aware of that. It was when I encountered this small group of professors and other students, college students, with whom I had classes, who were devout Christians, and they radiated their faith. They radiated a peace about them. Hmm. When I encountered that, it was powerfully attractive, and it made me aware of what I lacked. So when I say they radiated a peace, the anecdote I'd like to tell is I was having a coffee one morning with one of them on campus. It was about 11 a.m., we were sitting at a round, small round little table that, that are ubiquitous in cafes. Somebody came in and told him, your car was stolen out of the parking lot this morning. It was joyridden in the back roads behind campus, and it was, and it, it was plowed into a tree. Your car is hugging that tree. Your car is garbage. So he receives that news, and he turns and faces me again, and his response was, well, I guess it just wasn't God's plan for me to have a car right now. And he could still enjoy a cup of coffee in front of him. Hmm. And so that was mesmerizing. The fact that he just, he, he couldn't give any less of a care. He had a purpose in life, whether it was with a car, without a car, whether with that car, with a different car, with no car, he didn't care. Like, God held everything in his providence, and it just was mesmerizing. That, that encounter went on for at least another 30 minutes. I couldn't tell you a single word today. I can't recall anything of what happened in that conversation, because I was just riveted by his peace. And so I was invited on a retreat a Eucharistic adoration retreat at a Catholic retreat house, and I had an experience of God in, in front of the Eucharist, where I knew I was in front of he who created me and who loved me and who had a plan for me. And I went into that retreat, an atheist, and I came out a believer in God. Hmm. Your, your, your description of uh, this college friend of yours, you're, you're describing almost like a living epistle, like he's, he's living out you know, uh, Paul's words in Galatians about the fruit of the spirit. He's living out, learning to, to find contentment in every situation, as Paul writes in Philippians. It, it looks like that's essentially the testimony that you saw in his life. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. He, he radiated the gospel. It was the most important thing to him. And, and he wasn't the only one. It, it was a small group. Uh, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't an enormous group, but boy, were they ever convincing. So you get recruited to essentially become the priestly version of a Navy SEAL. Um, <laughs> what, what is that process like? Well, you know what? It's, it's perhaps way less exotic than what you might think. Necessity knows no law. Uh, so my first assignment when I became a cleric was at a parish at which the, exorcist, the exorcists of the diocese resided. And they were so busy. Uh, at the time, I was simply uh, a deacon, so I had another year to go before being a priest. And they were so busy with, with cases of people who were oppressed or possessed that when something lesser would come in, like uh, a house infestation where uh, there poltergeist phenomena is happening in a the house, they just turned to me and said, Deacon, go ahead, get, go get rid of the devil. Uh, so I had, I had zero training, uh, and it was simply because of a, a lack of personnel. That, that there were that the, the sheer number of cases was overwhelming. And so I went in and the one principle that I just kind of knew instinctively, uh, and, and I, to be honest, I can't remember how I knew that. I just kind of knew that I knew that I knew is that if the devil is, is present somewhere, he's there for a reason that, that there was a door opened to him. There was some action that was done by which he obtained permission. To, to be present in that place or in a person or perhaps even in an animal. Uh, so my job is to uncover what that doorway is and then to help the relevant victim uh, or victims to close that door. Because as long as he possesses the right to be somewhere, mm -hmm. then he has the right to be there. And, and there's nothing I can do to, to chase him out. So the door has to be closed. His rights need to be taken away. And so that forms the bulk of the exorcist's work. I mean, a, a great part of his work is diagnosing. Is the devil actually here? The, the majority of cases are mental health cases. And so he has a, a, a list of mental health professionals that he calls upon uh, to help him make that assessment. Uh, then he has to diagnose, okay, if, if there's phenomena here, that science cannot explain, then the next step is to find out how did this come about. Mm -hmm. And he has to work with the victim in that. Then the third step is to determine, does the victim want this relationship with the devil to end? Now, now people, you, you, you might be scratching your head and saying, well, well wouldn't everyone? And the answer is no. Uh, it depends on what permission was, what was given in exchange. See, the devil always offers a gift. He offers something. And when you accept that, then the deal is made, whether it's a sin or some kind of covenant, a gift, a particular power. And so people will be very anxious to get rid of the devil, but they won't be anxious to get rid of the gift necessarily. Mm -hmm. and, and so that requires pastoral work. So until they're ready at that point, I'd, 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 it'd be a waste of my time to say any prayers against the devil. It'd be an absolute waste of time because I'm coming against something 
and 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 saying to him, you don't have a right to be here when in fact he has every right to be there. Uh, so I might as well just go jump in a lake because it'll be just as effective. So it, if if the victim want and, and and to give you a kind of loose statistic, sixty percent of the people who have come to me, they don't want to get rid of the devil. They want to get rid of the diabolical phenomenon. They want to get rid of the pain that the devil brings with him, but they're not ready to give their lives to Christ. And that, and nothing short of that, is necessary to get rid of the devil. Mm. You, you don't, you don't just get rid of the devil and return to a quote-unquote neutral state. There is no neutrality in the world. Mm-hmm. The, the universe is so constructed that you're either on the side of Christ or you're not. And if you're not, then you're subject to the prince of this world, and he has rights for that. He has rights over that. He has rights to be that. You are describing something that is much more theological than what is often presented to us uh, when we see this depicted and discussed in in popular culture. And hey, as I, you know, I produced my own movie on this subject, and I understand the challenges of keeping an audience's attention, um, you know, with, with this kind of discussion as opposed to theatrics. But what you're describing is something much more intensely theological than what we have seen depicted in mainstream Hollywood going back to The Exorcist 50 years ago. Correct? Absolutely, yeah. It's it's very rational. You 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 need to have you need to have your brain operating at every megahertz because it's it's not it's not a battle where you're putting on mace, picking up a, a shield and a sword. You you are trying to get to the bottom of the rational reasons why the devil is there, and then you're invoking Christ. You're you're invoking the power of Christ so long as the victim is cooperating with Christ. And when a victim does that, when a victim does that, it's a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who's been liberated from the devil, they're, they're sold on Christ. I mean, Christ to them becomes the center of their existence. You know, when you, when you are, when you're possessed, you're, you're doing horrific things. You, you, you sense this, horrific lack of control of your person. You are not in the driver's seat. You come in and out of consciousness at different times. And when you come, when you come to however long that period of unconsciousness was, because that's what possession is. The devil takes over your consciousness. You may have lost a day and a half and you have no idea where that day and a half went. And when it's gone, it's gone. There's no recovering that back. You have no idea what you did, where you've been, you 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 may have committed crimes hmm. and and you're none the wiser of it so you may appear on footage someplace hmm. and guess what you're you're responsible so when someone comes into a liberation and encounters Christ as the strong man the one who comes and pillages the house of the devil they're sold on Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and preach Jesus is the hero this strikes me as a as a contest of dominion, right? That takes us all the way back to the garden. Uh, God says to Adam, I have given you dominion over the creation. Go and subdue it. Adam uh, foregoes that dominion 
uh, via original sin uh, and Eve. Um, and now we deal with the prince of the power of the air. Uh, human beings created to be masters uh, over nature are now mastered uh, and fettered by it instead. Um, this, this, this all plays into the themes, in my view, of what you're describing. Am, am I wrong? Really, that's what we're talking about. Are, is, is, the, is the infested willing to reconnect with the original dominion over this world um, through our creator, through his son, Jesus Christ? Or not, if they're not solely willing to um, uh, completely and wholly reinvest in reestablishing that dominion, then they will fall into the dominion of the of the prince of this world. No, no, no middle ground. Correct. You are absolutely correct. That's right. To, to imb- they need to embrace God's plan in God's way, not in their own way, not eighty percent of the way, exactly the way that God deems it deems it necessary exactly the way that he desired it if they do that they receive the full benefit of being a son or a daughter of god mm-hmm. if not they remain outside father how long have you been doing this gosh it's been um it's it's been the better part of 20 years i was talking on our show earlier that I, I, I think when you look at what is happening culturally, and I would love to get your take on this, that we are living in a demonic era. And I said, I think there are people who can have differing religious views that, that cannot, um, uh, that, that will reject a biblical worldview and, um, and the supremacy of Christ and have a different religious viewpoint, but they still may be in the likeness and image of God, sincere uh, truth seekers. They just came to the wrong side of the equation. But a demonic era is one in which truth seems unachievable. Gaslighting is the natural habitat. Um, clarity is um, seems impossible to access um, because it goes back to the master of the demonic realm. The first time we hear him speak, what does he say? Did God really say? Right away, we're going to muddy the waters of, what, of clarity, muddy the waters of truth. And, and I think that in the era in which we live, as someone who talks about current events for a living, finding what's actually true to even begin to comment on is the biggest challenge that I have. And I'm wondering, as someone that has been on the front lines fighting the demonic realm uh, for as long as you have, have you seen an uptick in, in potency and frequency in recent years that may explain some of the things that have spilled over into the larger culture? Oh, Absolutely. You know, absolutely. So we we live in an age where there is a re-paganization mm-hmm. of Western culture, mm-hmm. and with paganism comes a rise in the demonic. And in, in fact, in the early church, one of the greatest apologetics, one of the greatest marks of truth of the Christian faith, was the success of Christian exorcists over the exorcists and witch doctors and shamans. Of, of the relevant age and place, because the Christians were successful. They, they had a mastery and power over the demons. And so that, that would send ripples throughout communities. And so you have to imagine that this was happening so frequently that, that people were becoming possessed, people were being afflicted, and, and places had come under an explicit dominion of the devil so much that the that that became an apologetic 
it became one of the hallmarks of the faith and furthered the, the conversion of peoples across the, the Western Roman Empire. If someone in our audience is concerned that they are under this kind of formidable spiritual attack or someone they care about is, what would you urge them to do first and foremost? Well, first and foremost, repent of your sin. Repent, get rid of it. Get rid of your sin, all of it. And commit your life to Jesus Christ in the way that he wants you to commit it. Don't pick your way. It's, it's, it's the way in which he wants it, which he, he wants to be your Lord and Savior. Everybody wants a Savior. Everybody wants to be set free. Not everybody wants a Lord. Mm-hmm. But you, you can't be a Christian without a Lord. It means you have to give the dominion of your life to God. Uh, and so, and then um, if that doesn't get rid of it, then go see your local clergy person and, uh, and, and ask for prayers. Uh, ask ask for, uh, for, for a blessing. Uh, ask for prayers that, that are directed towards the, the liberation of demons. So go to the Christian community and seek its help. Right? So that, that has been a hallmark from the beginning. We, we, we seek God is present in the church, in the body, and go seek help from that body. Have you ever been scared? You know, I, I'm a convert from atheism. I know what fear is. Once I converted, I, nothing has frightened me. Uh, I go into a scene with the devil. I, I, I couldn't care less about him, about his powers, about his prowess. I care about serving Jesus Christ. I, I care about liberating this victim from the devil's power. So um, I, fear never crosses my mind. I just, I have a job to do and I do it. There, there are things that, um, that may surprise me and, and sometimes even shock me, like the level of his cunning Mm-hmm. The, the level of the, the sordidness of, of what he has, um, the, the, the pain that he's inflicted on somebody, the, the level of, of suffering that he's brought about with, 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 without a care. Like he couldn't care less how much a human being is suffering. He, he, he thrives in it and delights in it. So that, because it's just so contrary to, to to everything that you and I think is good and, and holy and for what we strive, he, he is the exact opposite of that. So I, I don't stare long into that abyss mm-hmm. because it's, it's, it's just an abyss. It, there's nothing to be gained from it. My job is to set the victim free. Uh, I leave the demon up to the Lord for the Lord to reckon with him, the Lord to punish him. It's not my job to punish him. He has a judge. The judge will execute that justice according to his way. Uh, my job is, is to then bring this victim into the kingdom of God and aid him or her in, in every way possible to make that come about. Final question I wanted to ask you. Forgive me, it's a bit of a self-serving one. My understanding is that you have actually had a chance to watch my movie, Nefarious. Is that true? I have watched it. What did you think? Extremely well done. Very well done. And and here's Here's what was well done about it. The, what was captured within it is exactly the kind of conundrum that the devil always wants to put a victim in. A, a conundrum where you're, you're damned if you do mm-hmm. and damned if you don't. Mm-hmm. 
So no matter no matter where you kind of run, you're always running into the same corner where he as predator can come and get at you. So the only solution is is always to to to, to do things in Christ's way. Christ alone has the wisdom that defeats his enemy. And so I was I was very, very impressed with the the way you presented the conundrum, the way that uh, the the he exercises his preternatural power in terms of just the intellectual prowess he has to know where all the chess pieces are on the board and to move them accordingly so that he's always 53 moves ahead of you. You do something, then there's a piece there that, that was already anticipating your movement, and it's there to greet you. That, that was very, very well done. This is an aspect of the devil that, that any and every exorcist encounters constantly. This, this is what you're up against. You're not up against moving chairs. You're not up against coming into a room and it's tragical. I mean, you are up against those things, but those are not opposition. I, I couldn't care less if the room is warm or hot. I couldn't care less if the room is filled with a foul smell. I couldn't care less if the lights are flickering on and off and there's furniture levitating and stuff like that. That doesn't stop me from doing my job. But what, what will give me pause, what I have to reckon with, are the circumstances by which the devil is present, and he's going to guard those. Because if his hold is, is that strong over his victim, as it is presented in the movie, as, mm-hmm. as, as it is very well presented, then the victim can't speak. And so now there is a battle between the, the exorcist and the demon in that he's got to get the demon to surrender the knowledge. The demon, of course... Is, is not glad to do that, and he's going to present an opposition as, as much as he can. And so, you know, the battle is on. Well, that is very, very, very high praise, Father. Thank you very much. Uh, very appreciate that you took the time to watch it, and even more appreciative that uh, you appreciated uh, the integrity of, by which we approached this project to not take it lightly, um, but to uh, to create yes a product that is entertaining, but is, is is impactful at the exact same time. So thank you. How can what's the best way for our audience to follow your work? What would you like to have them do other than of course subscribe to the podcast, The Exorcist Files? Well, certainly I, I will always take prayers for my work. You know, we we are we are part of of, of Christ's communion. And we, we benefit from the prayers of one another. So if your, if your listeners could do that for me and for the victims especially, mm-hmm. uh, I, I would be so grateful. But certainly, if they can subscribe to that podcast, give it a listen. If it's not your cup of tea, you can, you can just omit it. But if it is, please do pass on the word and share, uh, because I, I think that the kingdom of God is furthered when we discuss about these things in an appropriate manner. God bless you, brother. Thank you very much for joining us today. All right. Thank you. Absolutely. God bless you, Steve. Thank you. That's uh, Father Carlos Martins. His uh, podcast, The Exorcist Files, it is one of the top five podcasts in America right now in the religion and spirituality category, which is one of the largest categories in podcasting. So um, we're going to have to carry this conversation over to the next segment. And it will actually tie into some of what I, I, I want to say about Jesus revolution as well. But Todd is the resident Catholic here. I, I'll, I'll give you the balance of the time we have left in the segment. Your thoughts on that conversation. Well, 
when he t- talks about smells and temperatures and things like that, and earlier uh, t- talked uh, about you know the the fantastical of Hollywood, he said ultimately this is about reason and assent and what you are willing to ultimately say no to. Right now, the Lent, this is the final stage of traditional acceptance into the Catholic Church. And we present them at the altar. They are presented at the altar uh, at every uh, Mass during Lent. And, and so w- when that final baptismal prayer comes on Easter, it begins. Do you reject Satan and all his works mm-hmm. before you move on? And that's exactly what Father said. Because the only thing is ascent to Christ. And the only with our entire faith has to do with exorcism. Christ does not make sense unless you accept that you are a sinner in Satan's web. Do you reject that? If you hesitate, the father said the game is entirely different. It's, he very much said, help me help you. Mm-hmm. But we have to be clear about this. It has to be on Christ's terms and not yours. Otherwise, Hell is your destiny, this earth or the next. Very well put. And Aaron, I'm going to let you comment when we come back because we're short on time. But um, what strikes me, and it's it's a tone that we strike a lot in, in nefarious, is how intellectual this process is. Um, More than ever because we think we're so yes, smart. yes. And that, and that essentially what is happening here is, is, a, is really a debate over your soul. That, that, that's essentially what is happening. If you strip away of all the, the theatrics and who knows how much of that gets embellished compared mm-hmm. to real life and all that other stuff, when you strip it all away, essentially, we're back to Joshua's challenge to, the, to, the, to, to God's covenant people. Choose ye this yes. day whom you will serve. Whose dominion do you line up with? That's essentially the contest here. All right, let's continue the conversation uh, that we were just having about the conversation we just had uh, with Father Carlos Martins. He is uh, the host of one of the most listened to religious and spirituality podcasts in the country right now, The Exorcist Files. And he has been at this level of spiritual warfare, he said, for over 20 years, began as an atheist. It was fascinating listening to his story of his own testimony. Um, It reminds me of, uh, frankly, Josh McDowell and some of what he said as well. Uh, he grew up, he was an atheist, um, met some people at college and, uh, also was just blown away by the living epistles that they were and the impact that they had on him as well. And of course he has been a fierce warrior in the apologetic arena ever since. Um, some of the things that, uh, that stood out to me, if I could be self-serving, getting a, 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 getting a positive review of the movie from him, I hope adds at least a little bit of credibility to what we have been telling you about it uh, in terms of um, it, if if we highlighted, you, you have to give us some a little bit of leeway here. We're attempting to market a movie with our worldview to a wider population that has either been ignorant of it or rejected it, right? And so we're not going to lead with our chin here, so to speak. And so we are focused very much on the tone uh, of the film, 
uh, some of the elements of the film in order to entice the larger culture to come and give our worldview a hearing that in other in other instances they would not. I'll give you an example. Jesus Revolution. Now, I liked Jesus Revolution a lot as we, you know, incorporate Pop Culture Tuesday into this conversation, guys. I think it's very well done, very well acted. Um, Kelsey Grammer does an excellent job as Chuck Smith, although he's about as old as Chuck Smith was when he died now, uh, let alone, uh, you know, 50 years ago coming out of the hippie era. But he does a very good job. The movie's very well done. Um, but it, it's also not an evangelistic film, in, largely. Um, that doesn't mean people won't um, be evangelistically moved, but the movie really is an encouragement to people like us. Um, and, and it draws some very clear parallels between a young generation being lost to the hippie drug culture to a young generation being lost to the woke social justice culture in this era. The parallels are stark, and I think that's wise and, and, a, and a good parallel to have. I'm also impressed by the maturity of the storytelling. We see Greg Laurie's testimony played out. We see him delve into the hippie drug culture. We see him, you know, take the 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 uh, the strips of paper that get crop dusted, courtesy of Timothy Leary at the Janis Joplin concert. These are these are not things that we would have put into. They might have been alluded to or something, but we would not have portrayed the realities of of our sinful pasts or the sin in the world in a lot of these kinds of Christian movies, even a few years ago. So to me, I think that this is a welcome step forward, despite its overall very positive uh, story. There's a maturity in the storytelling in and of itself that um, I I was impressed by. And so because it only adds more, I think, similar to hearing from Father Martins uh, as a former atheist who's now, you know, Navy SEAL, basically, in the church, it only adds more to Greg Laurie's testimony to see where he came from to the man that he eventually became by the grace of God, right? I think it adds even more potency, credibility, and inspiration to that to be real about who he was before that transformation took place. So I give uh, the filmmakers a lot of credit. Same team that did I Can Only Imagine, and they did a good job with that film as well. So uh, it deserves all the accolades it's getting. I would highly recommend it. But our film is different. I mean, our, our film is really a proto-evangelistic work. Our film is de- designed for you to take unbelievers to it. And so I hope for those of you that were concerned because we're marketing and advertising it to a culture that loves the dark, sadistic material, we're advertising its horror elements to them. Um, I hope that hearing from Father Martins, you can, you, you'll understand that's a marketing ploy. That's not the heart and soul of the film. I, I just don't believe he'd come on our show and affirm our movie as strongly as he did if it, if it gave dominion to the enemy. Is that fair? Completely, yeah. Yeah. The other thing that stood out to me is he didn't use these terms, but the way he was describing it, that there is, that the, the biggest proponent of deliverance is idolatry. That when you take the when 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 you take the devil's deal, the Faustian bargain, when you take the monkey's paw, and and your wish is granted, the the impact of of the collateral damage of that, or I think he described it as the uh, the diabolical fallout or something. I think was the phrase he used. Right, that that a lot of times when people come for deliverance, they want deliverance from the diabolical fallout, not from the not from the entirety of the transaction itself. Right. They, they, they're golems. 
basically. They, they, they want the suffering for the precious to stop, but they very much want the precious to remain in the palm of their hands. Uh, they don't want to completely turn away from the transaction that they have made and turn to Christ. They don't want to completely turn to the light. I found, of, of all the things he said, I, thought, I found that to be one of the most profound. Your thoughts? Uh, it's simultaneously prof- profound and quite obvious. I mean, we, we want what we want. And it's such a, and now we talked about how, you know, people at the poverty line have cell phones these days. Most of human history, uh, your wants were almost immaterial. You could not get most of the things uh, you claim to want. The wants were far more limited. And now again, that's what the combination of the reason uh, the amount of time we spend in education thinking we're smart about things and then our access to comfort. So we really, we, we can tell ourselves uh, that discomfort really isn't an option. We, the, 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 the transaction, the math that father described about how this works, you, you've got to accept Christ on his terms and his terms alone. And it seems someone will be Lord. That, yes, that's the, the point. enemy, yes. yourself or Christ. Yeah. But someone will be Lord. Yeah. Yes. And we talk, we've talked about that pre-COVID in terms of politics all the time. We talked about roll tide evangelicalism, about what, what exactly are the terms that the modern day church is operating on? I would ask that question. Of the, you ask that question of the current pope. Mm-hmm. What, what, are, what are the terms that you are operating on? Because it seems very unclear it seems more than ever that we are trying to perfect a tower of babel and not the certainty of christ and delivery of sins and that's exactly what he's trying to cut through one more thing and i'll throw it to you aaron that also stood out to me is his description of the devil and his and his minions he basically described figures devoid of all empathy and in the first hour and he wasn't on the show he doesn't know what we said but on the first hour, when we when I was talking about signs of a demonically possessed or controlled or dominioned culture, two things that are sorely lacking. Truth was one. What was the other one? Empathy. 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 Um, and that's what he's describing. They're, that they're, they don't care. There's there's and you'll see this when you see the film Nefarious. You will see there is no regard for humanity on any level, just a level of seething hatred beyond our our ability probably to comprehend unless you're, you know, a flaming psychopath, basically. There's a point in in your movie at the very end that specifically makes this point where Mm -hmm. it could have been like, make good. Thanks for getting me across. Thanks for coming with me on this trip across the finish line. Just a small little trinket. Yes. No, like out of his way to like say, you get nothing. You never, it was all a lie. Shocking. The only movie I've seen in many years that actually really scared me is a movie called The Strangers. It's about 15 years old, about a home invasion. And at the end, when when the strangers have captured the couple um, in the home, and they have them uh, tied up, and Liv Tyler's the wife, and she says, why are you doing this to us? And the head of the uh, the home invasion said, 
because you were home. And the level of malevolence associated with that, there isn't a plan. There's no larger, on on the other side, there is no plan. The plan is destruction for destruction's sake, death for death's sake, evil for evil's sake, just, just because. And I think, and, and to me, that's a being devoid of any empathy on any level whatsoever. So the idea you'll reason with him, the idea that he'll accommodate you, everything that he gives to you is to lead you to your own destruction, your own demise, period, end of sentence. That's it. That's why when we're talking about transgenderism or the jabs. Correct. And they never, ever say, yeah, our bad, we went too far, fog of war. Yep. That's what's terrifying Correct. about this. No empathy. Aaron, floor is now yours. Towards the end of the conversation with, with Father Martins, I appreciated the emphasis on repentance that he placed. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated that because I thought that was, that was a, a, healthy, a healthy perspective to have. You know, C.S. Lewis, and I can't remember if you kind of echo this in Nefarious Plot. I should know. We just read through it. But C.S. Lewis, at the beginning of Screwtape Letters, talks about the ditches that we tend to fall into when talking about the unseen world or the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You fall into one ditch where you are unhealthily fascinated by it, like it's some sort of secret power you can tap into, or where you completely ignore it. And that's when things can get dangerous as well, because it is there and ignoring it does you no favors whatsoever. In fact, it's it's an unhealthy. So so what do we do with it? And it's not some weird, some sort of feng shui where it's like I'm kind of thinking about it, but I'm thinking about it this way, but I'm not too. It's not some sort of weird feng shui or Rube Goldberg machine. The the point here is the glory of God one way or another. Mm hmm. Through repentance, the you know when you cast out a, a a demon or you get somebody to repent who believes they have been uh, attacked by these spiritual forces, who gets the glory there? Not the priest, certainly not Satan. At the end of the day, this topic again should be driven by, motivated by, with the end goal of glorifying God and I appreciated that perspective but but more on the on on the on on, on that perspective and more on kind of uh, CS Lewis's warnings I think I think too much now and maybe this is not breaking news especially given what's on the montage and what we talk about on a day-to-day basis there are too many however Christians I would say that fall into the latter ditch of not even acknowledging that this battle is going on. Mm-hmm. Too many people, I guess I should say, who claim the name of Christ don't even acknowledge that this is going on. I have invoked Piercing the Darkness by Frank Peretti multiple times when discussing even the, the script for Nefarious. Reading that, that's what it felt like. Watching it felt like it even more, like you're looking over your shoulder in a healthy way, not, not like, oh, there's a demon under the doily over there, but in a healthy way. For Christians or people who, who claim the name of Christ even, not just unbelievers, people who claim the name of Christ, nefarious will be very effective in pricking them to understand this poop's real. Or at least forcing them to answer that question, is this real or not? Because I think far too many believers think that it's the latter. 
and they are sorely mistaken. The idea that this is a question of dominion. You heard Father Martins talk about that. That will clearly be expressed in, uh, in the film Nefarious as well. And, and by the way, Jesus' revolution shows that too. Jesus', Jesus revolution basically shows you that the hippie movement coming out of the 60s, the drug culture, uh, was a demonic counterfeit um, and they even, there's a, one of the more powerful scenes in the film, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it, but it, it won't spoil the larger plot. One of the, one of the more powerful scenes, uh, that happens early in the film is when Greg Laurie, a young Greg Laurie attends the, uh, Aunt Janis Joplin, Timothy Leary concert, uh, with the woman that will become his future wife. And, you know, Leary says before the crop duster flies over to drop the, you know, the, the, the piece of paper they're going to, they're going to ingest, you know, uh, for, to take their acid trip here in a few minutes. He literally tells them, this is how we connect with God. He literally tells them this in the crowd, that this is, this is clearly a monkey's paw. This is clearly a Faustian bargain here that, that this is a culture that's been, this is a youth culture that's been lost, left behind, and therefore it is ripe for the picking. And, and I think we have, we are, we are seeing a replay of that with the youth culture we have today. And that's why you're seeing them. Nature abhors a vacuum. You heard Father Martin say this, something will fill this void. Right. Um, it's been referred to, you know, in the past as the Blaise Pascal God shaped hole in everyone's heart because he is the philosopher that made the that made the observation. Everyone has a God shaped hole in their heart. Something will fill it. The end of our movie, without spoiling it, will point to this, too. OK, that that no one is, as you heard Father Martin say, no one's a free agent. And you see this in Jesus Revolution. No one's a free agent, you know. And so um, deliverance comes when you reverse the jersey, basically, and join the right team. Um, oppression, possession comes when you reverse the jersey and join the wrong team. And another thing that I also liked about Jesus' revolution is when there was real division among the, among the leaders, that was not glommed over. That was not... Um, uh, they depicted it and everybody reconciled in about uh, in, in, in three minutes, one scene or less, or it didn't count, right? I mean, th- th- this movie wasn't afraid of the truth. Now, it's, it's not the same tone as the movie that we made. It's not the same tone that we maybe communicate with on, on this show. But the tone argument that we've often used works both ways, right? We've pointed out, just because you're saying something nicely doesn't really mean you're nice or kind. It often just means you're a coward, right? Yes. On the other hand, just because you're saying something provocatively or confrontationally doesn't mean you are necessarily, um, because of your tone, the real truth teller here. Of course. Sometimes you're just a douche. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the, the whole tone argument works both ways, okay? What I like is in their own way and clearly with a... A, a, a tone that is different than the one I communicate with very often but I don't care about any of that what I care about the fact is that the movie very clearly displays truth speaking of tone I mean Father Martins wasn't on here you know going off Max von Sydow on us mm-hmm. right by the power of Christ compelled you very intellectual conversation we had with him right it's not about the tone folks 
It's about the truth. Amen. We have it backwards. It's not about the tone. It's about the truth. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.